Turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 22. John chapter 3 and verse 22. Jim Elliott was a missionary to the Aka Indians. And uh, as he graduated college, there were some, some very good opportunities he had to pastor in some different places. And uh, some would have been very financially beneficial for him. But God had called him to go to this obscure tribe in South America uh, to a place where these Indians were actually very violent. They killed each other. They killed and, and decimated other tribes. God had called him to take the gospel to this group of people. And so he set aside what would have been beneficial for him in terms of finances and so forth to go to this obscure, even dangerous place to share the gospel with these people who needed to hear it. Two weeks into his ministry, they killed him. His wife actually went back and continued the ministry there. And one of them said, how in the world can you come to talk to us and try to help us when we killed your husband? And she told him about the love of Jesus. And many people came to Christ in that tribe and then it spread to other tribes uh, that uh, were also a part of that group. Uh, it's amazing what God can do when we put Him first and ourselves second. This is what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist knew that God had given him a calling to be the forerunner for the Messiah. He knew that it was not about him, but it was about Jesus. He was just the instrument that God would use to point people to the person who could truly change their lives. That's the truth for us today. Uh, listen, I will tell you, this preacher can't do you any good. Were it not for the grace of Jesus Christ and the goodness of God to use a sinner like me, I couldn't do anybody any good, and neither could you. Uh, we are sinners saved by grace. Jesus is the one who changes lives. But one of the things about this story that we're about to look at that, that is so powerful to me is the selflessness of John. John delights in Jesus Christ. He delights in it. I mean, Jesus Christ is his joy. And so whatever good happens for Jesus, even if it costs John something, he's excited about it. Listen, I'm convinced if the kingdom of God moves forward and the cause of Christ is strengthened, what happens with us is secondary to what happens for Christ. Um, we need to live lives of worship. And I believe that's exactly what John the Baptist did. That's exactly what Jim Elliot did. They set aside their own good for the sake of Christ. And it was the profound act of worship. Uh, the scripture tells us in Romans 12... It, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or you could also translate that, 
reasonable act of worship. Laying our lives down for him. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A lot of times people don't know the will of God in their lives because their hearts are not surrendered to Jesus. They've not laid down their lives. Now, God may not call you to quit your job and to go out to a remote tribe in Africa uh, God, God may use you right where you are, but a surrendered heart is important. John had surrendered. He, he was giving the message of repentance and surrender, right? And so um, he looks to Jesus and in worship serves Christ at his own expense. The title of my message today is Living a Life of Worship. Living a life of worship. And listen, I'm convinced that as we live a life of worship, not only does it help the kingdom of God, but we live lives of joy and purpose. Um, so uh, let's look at this scripture. It says in verse 22 of John chapter 3, After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Enon near Salem, because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized, since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing, and everyone is flocking to him. John responded, No one can receive a single thing unless it's been given to him from above. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom. But the groom's friend, who stands by and listens for him, rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Living a life of worship. How do we do that? Well, we need to worship Christ. First of all, worship Him with your time. Worship Him with your time. In verse 23, John was baptizing. Verse 24 says, since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Now, this is just kind of a historical note. John doesn't talk about the imprisonment. That is John the gospel writer. doesn't talk about John the Baptist's imprisonment. Uh, in his gospel, except for here. He just mentions it in passing. I know about this. It's before this. Uh, but in doing so, he kind of gives us a, a sense that John the Baptist's time was limited. Right? Because what happened when John went to prison is he got beheaded. All of us live with a finite amount of time. You and I are given, we don't know what that time is. Only God knows. He knows the day of our birth and the day of our death. And he knows how much time we have. In one place, Moses writes, it's in one of the Psalms, he says, Lord, give us, teach us to number our days so that we'll have a heart of wisdom. In other words, 
he's saying, help us to live with a sense of purpose and urgency, knowing that the time is short. John, in one place, uh, when he was preaching his message of repentance, spoke to the religious leaders of that day, and he said, who will deliver you from the wrath to come? We talked about the great white throne judgment this morning in Sunday school. And that's sobering to read. When the books are opened, and those who don't know Christ, whose names are not written in the book of life, are thrown into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. Whenever I read that scripture, it gives me a sense of urgency. People need to know about Jesus Christ. They need to hear the message of the gospel. The only hope in this world, I'm convinced, that lasts and that is meaningful is the hope we find in Jesus. But the only hope for the life to come is Jesus and Jesus alone. We have a limited amount of time. Let's pray for those loved ones and friends around us who don't know Jesus. Let's talk to them as the Spirit leads us and plant seeds. Maybe they're not ready for the whole gospel, but you can plant a seed. And you can tell them something from God's Word that would be uh, a seed planted. Uh, encourage them with, with uh, how God has blessed you. And what Jesus has done in your life so that they could recognize their need for the gospel. Uh, our time is short. Also, our time is short to fulfill our purpose as people of God in his church. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'll serve God after I retire. You don't know that you'll get to retire. I had three uncles who died in their 40s. They thought they had a lot of time left, but they died in the prime of life. We don't know if we'll have time to serve God after we retire. Or I'll serve God when I'm less busy. Or I'll serve God when my kids are raised. Or I, whatever, the, whatever the thing is. Our time is limited. Do what God has called you to do while you have the time to do it. Remember the rich man? He built bigger barns. He said, boy, look at all this great stuff I have. I'm going to build bigger barns so I can store up more stuff. And the scripture says, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And all of this will mean nothing. You see, sometimes we get our priorities astray. John had a limited time. And what was he doing with that limited time? He was pointing people to Jesus. I can't think of a better thing to do. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, worship God with your time. Did you know as you take time to serve God, it's worship. Sometimes worship, people think, well, worship's what I do on Sunday when I sing. That is worship. You do that from your heart. But worship is not limited to that. Worship should enter every facet of your life. You ought to worship God at the workplace and the things that you do. Worship, do things with excellence to bring glory to God. Uh, worship God uh, in the use of your time as you serve Him. But all, all of our time, as we use our time, use it to worship God. So John was using his time. So not, not only should you use your time, you ought to use your gifts. Worship Christ with your gifts. 
Look at verse 27. John responded, No one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. His disciples were kind of upset because John was important to them. John had made a difference in their lives. And this guy Jesus that John pointed people to said, This is the Lamb of God. Now they're leaving John and they're going to Jesus. And his disciples are saying, Hey, that's not right. You know, our... our, uh, prophet here that we're going around with he's important we he's important to us these people shouldn't be going to jesus and john says no wait a second no one can do anything unless it's given to them by god to do it and no one has any gift unless god has given it to them by the way did you know that god blesses people that don't know him with material blessing with emotional blessing He does. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God, in his kindness, the scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so, um, what you have financially is a gift from God. Your, Your job that you have, the family that you have, all of these things are gifts from God. You say, well, I wish God had given me a different gift. Well, I, you know, uh, we may not know why God gives us what gift he gives us, but, but God's, every gift we have it comes from God. What about the spiritual gifts that we have? Absolutely, they come from God. What about the talents we have? They come from God. If God's given you aptitudes, if he's given you skills, those are things that God has gifted you. Use these things to bring him glory. You say, well, some of my skills don't fit in church. Well, use them out in the community for the glory of God. I love what uh, the runner years ago, uh, Chariots of Fire, and some of y'all are old enough to remember that. Uh, uh, Chariots of Fire, he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. He's a track athlete. But he says that when I run, I sense the pleasure of God. God has given me this talent. And I'm going to use it to the glory of God. He put God first in his life. That's another story, but uh, he used his gifts. Now, you and I have spiritual gifts. If you know Christ and you have a relationship with Christ, you have spiritual gifts that God's given you, you need to use them. You don't necessarily have to have a position in the church to do that. You can use your spiritual gifts without having an official title. Okay? Um, What gifts you have? Usually people have either serving gifts or speaking gifts. People with serving gifts tend to want to serve and help others in some act of service. People with speaking gifts will build up other people through what they say. But you can do that whether or not you have a position in the church, right? You can encourage people. That's a spiritual gift. That's, I love the gift of encouragement because guess what? I need it sometimes. <laughs> and it encourages me. Uh, what about the gift of mercy? If you're sick, somebody comes and spends time with you and they speak encouragement into your life, that's a blessing to you. Uh, or if you're, if you're having trouble doing some simple basic things in your life, maybe because of a health issue, and somebody comes along and, and they serve, maybe they mow your grass or maybe they do clean out your gutter for you, and they do something tangible to help you, it's an encouragement to you. But, but God uses these things among the body of 
believers so that we can encourage and strengthen each other. Teaching, all of these things, they're gifts. Use them to the glory of God. Uh, and let that be your worship. What did Jesus say? Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. If you have a gift of giving and you give to somebody in need, guess what? You're giving to Jesus. If you sit with somebody who's sick, you're sitting with Jesus. If you go visit somebody in prison to encourage them, you are visiting Jesus. You see how that works? So that all of your gifts are used to worship and honor him. Isn't it interesting when, when Jesus had the conversation with Peter, he said, feed my sheep. Remember that? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. He denied him three times, the third time. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus says, as you feed the flock of God, as you use your gift, Peter, you're feeding me. You're showing your love for me. You're honoring me. So, Using your gift is worship. So whatever you have, whatever has been given, not one thing can be given unless it's given from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James tells us. So thank God for it. Recognize that it is a gift of His grace. He's not giving it to you because you deserve it. He's giving it to you because He's good and because He is gracious in letting us Join him in ministry, uh, but use it to worship him. So, um, living a life of worship, how do you do that? Well, worship Christ with your time, with your gifts, thirdly, with your purposes. Look at verse 28. You yourselves, John's talking with his disciples. He said, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. John had a very clearly defined sense of purpose. He knew what he was here to do. He said, I know that I'm not the Messiah. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to be the forerunner. <laughs> and he fulfilled the purpose God gave him. Listen, don't spend your time worrying about everybody else's purpose or trying to, to have the purpose that somebody else has you fulfill your purpose that God put you here to fulfill. Because for you, that's the most important purpose you could fulfill. God knew that there needed to be a forerunner. The people of Israel needed to hear a message of repentance to prepare them for Jesus. John gave them that message of repentance. He pointed people to the Messiah. And he fulfilled the purpose that God gave him. If you have a gift of administration, your purpose is, is to organize and help the church accomplish tasks. Okay? That's your purpose. If God's given you that gift, use it to the glory of God. Don't worry about teaching or something else if that's not your gift or calling. Now, God may give you more than one gift, and that's okay. But fit in that niche where God has put you and do it to the glory of God. Other people may say, well, you, that's not a good niche. You ought to do this, get this thing over here. Or you ought to, you ought to be like so-and-so over there. Uh, look at the great gift that person has. And you're like, oh, well, what should I do? Fulfill the purpose God's given you. 
And it is an act of worship to God. Uh, I, you know, preachers get told a lot of things. You get told, you get told things by people uh, in your ministries and, you know, in different places. Uh, you get told things by people who are, quote, quote, experts. Somebody said uh, an expert is somebody who lives in another town. <laughs> you know, but uh, you get told things by all different kinds of people who think they know what's best for you. But can I tell you, only God knows what's best for you. As you fulfill the purpose he designed you to fulfill. I was having some thoughts one day. This has been several years back. And thinking, well, boy, I wish I had such and such a gift or such and such a gift. And, boy, Lord, it would, wouldn't it be great if I was like such and so over here? And I just felt the convicting presence of the Spirit of God. And he said, Roger, are you saying that what I made is not good enough? Wow, I guess I am. I'm sorry, Lord. And I felt like God was saying, you be who I created you to be. And you know, that's a freeing thing. You don't have to be like somebody else. You can just be who God made you to be. And as you do, it's worship to God. John said, I am fulfilling my purpose and I am delighting in it. My purpose is to be the forerunner for the Messiah, and I am going to fulfill that purpose. And you guys may not understand it, and you guys may be upset because people are leaving me to follow Jesus, but I'm going to tell you something. This is the purpose God gave me to fulfill, and this is the purpose I'm going to fulfill to the glory of God. What would the world be like Every one of God's people fulfilled the purposes that God gave them. It kind of boggles the mind to think about it. Think of it in another way. Jesus invested his, men in, his, his ministry in 12 men, right? What does Acts tell us? People started saying, they've turned the world upside down. It wasn't them, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, but he used them. 12 men. What if all God's people were fulfilling their purpose? Wow. Your purpose may be fulfilled at your workplace. Uh, I, years ago, I, uh, I heard this guy uh, sharing how he had begun a ministry in his workplace. He had a, there were a bunch of executives there, and he said, you know, one of the things about executives is they don't have a lot of time, and he said, he said, so uh, I thought if I'm going to minister to these guys, I'm going to have to minister to them where they work. And so that's what he did. And he, he began to, to pray for them, and they began to do Bible studies together when they could carve out a niche of time somewhere. And uh, he, over time, these guys started coming to Christ. They started ministering. And all the ministry was done outside the church. Not a single one. They, they, were, they were discipling people in their workplace. And God was changing them. These people, it, it, it was such a powerful thing. What was he doing? He was fulfilling the purpose God gave him. And he recognized that the purpose was outside of the box a little bit. But God used it for his glory. So worship Christ with your time, with your gifts, with your purposes. Finally, with your friendship. 
he says in uh, verse 29, he who has the bride is the groom. In other words, the, the bride in Scripture, in the Old Testament, God was the groom and Israel was the bride. In the New Testament, the church is the bride and Christ is the groom. Uh, so this is the kind of the language John is using. He said, he who has the bride is the groom. In other words, the church belongs to Jesus. God's people belong to Jesus. But the groom's friend, who's that, John? The groom's friend who stands by and listens for him. This is part of the Jewish ritual of marriage. He's describing the, the process they would go through, and the groom would come from uh, uh, at a certain time, and the, the, the best man, the equivalent of the best man in our weddings today, uh, would stand by and guard the chamber where the bride was. And then he would hear the groom coming, and he would get excited, and he would start to celebrate. And uh, this is what he's describing here. The groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. And, and by the way, mine in Greek is emphatic. This is my joy. It's complete. He must increase. I must decrease. John said, I'm a forerunner. But one fateful day, I saw the one who's called the Lamb of God. And he said, I got excited. The Spirit of God came upon him, and I knew that God's plan for history was coming to pass. His long-awaited son, the seed of promise, the descendant of Abraham and David, had come to deliver not only Israel but the world, and he began to get excited. And it, see, John was Jesus' cousin. He loved him as a cousin, but he also loved him as the Son of God. And as he saw Jesus, he, he was so excited. Listen, it's not about us. It's about him. John's friendship with Jesus kind of reminds me of Abraham. Abraham's friendship with God. He was called the friend of God and the close fellowship they would have. And God would talk to Abraham and Abraham would talk to God and they walked together, and they had fellowship together. And it was worship. And God so valued that relationship with Abraham that when he decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for its wickedness, he said, shall I not tell and share with Abraham what I'm about to do? And God told him what he was going to do, and Abraham was able to intercede, and Lot was delivered from Sodom because of Abraham's intercession. Lord, if there's ten people, will you destroy the people for the sake of ten people? God said, I won't destroy it for the sake of ten people. Well, there was less than ten people. But God knew what he was really concerned about, right? His nephew was there. God sends an angel to get his nephew and brings him and his family out. Um, so, Abraham's friendship with God was, was profound. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. David delighted in the Lord. He wasn't perfect. He, there was sin in, that he, in his life at one point. 
But he, he loved the Lord. He delighted in him. If you read the Psalms, you see the delight and the joy that David finds in the Lord as he worships him and lifts him up. He is my shield. He is my strong tower. He is Yahweh of hosts who delivers me. And he'd he just get excited. He'd have a happy time worshiping God. Why? Because he loved the Lord. As you develop your friendship with God, there's nothing more important to him than that. It's an act of worship. You say, well, what if I don't hear the hallelujah chorus go off when I pray? doesn't matter. Well, what if, uh, what if I don't have some deep insight when I read the scripture? doesn't matter. As you take steps to draw near to God, God's going to draw near to you. As you invest on a day-to-day basis in your walk with God, in your friendship with God, you're going, over time, you're going to grow closer to the Lord. And what you're going to find when you get, get to, the, to the down, uh, d- down part of it is that God becomes your joy and a haven of rest for your soul. And uh, John, in his great delight for the Lord, he was so filled with love for Jesus, he wasn't thinking about himself. He said, my Savior is being exalted. His purposes are going forward. And he said, he said you can ask me to be upset, with, but I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to rejoice. A godly parent rejoices in the accomplishments of their kids, don't they? A godly Good friend rejoices when their friend does well. So, a godly child of God who loves his God delights when God's purposes are fulfilled. You know, this life is short. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. And all the things that seem so important to us now are not going to be all that important then. Because we're going to see him. Behold, the Lamb of God. (laughs) Everything is going to fall away. And only what has been done for him will last. What a day that will be. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ through your friendship with him. Worship Christ living a life of worship, worship Christ with your time, your gifts, your purposes, your friendship. And I've been speaking mainly to Christians today, but I want to say, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, the first step is a step of surrender, a step of offering your life in trust to Jesus Christ and receiving his gift of eternal life. That's the first step. The decision to repent of your sin uh, is a choice that you make that, I mean, to, to trust somebody with your life is a big deal. Uh, but you make that choice, and that in itself is an act of worship. To say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you. No turning back. I'm following you. <laughs> I'll serve you. If that's your heart this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make your decision for Christ today. We're going to have a time of invitation here in just a moment. And uh, I'm going to ask you to come here to the front, and uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have, but also 
to uh, spend some time in prayer with you, maybe to lead you through a prayer uh, that you can pray to the Lord Jesus from your heart and uh, know his forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, if you're here today as a child of God, have you been living a life of worship? If not, uh, come to this altar and tell him, Lord, uh, by your grace, I'm going to live a life of worship. And what I do and how I spend my time and uh, how I fulfill my purposes and all of these things, I'm going to do it for your glory. Uh, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this time that we've been able to spend Lord, I know that there are people who are here today uh, who don't know you uh, or who are watching online. And, and God, I pray that today would be the day that they would say, Lord, you know, I, I'm tired of going my own way. I'm choosing to turn from that to follow you. I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and Lord, I want to receive your gift of eternal life. I trust you to save me according to your promise. Lord, uh, help them uh, to make that decision today. And Lord, for those who perhaps have, maybe you've, they've drifted from God, or uh, Lord, give them the grace to live lives of worship. And Father, uh, help us surrender ourselves to, to uh, pursue you and, and friendship and to uh, live our